sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord and we offer up to you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and we offer up to you a sacrifice of praise we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord and we offer up to you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and we offer up to you the sacrifices of praise I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you In your ear, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my. to read the scriptures and bring us the message. Um, let us ask for an open heart, open ears, and an open mind 
using the prayer for illumination in the bulletin. Lord, open our ears so that we can hear your word. Open our minds. Help us to understand your message to us. Open our hearts so that we can receive your guidance. Give us a new mindset and help us to accept and act on the vision you have set before us. In the wondrous name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Good morning, church. Come on, you can do better than that. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. It didn't say we sit there quietly, but we are to rejoice and be glad in it because he didn't have to let us get up. He didn't have to let us see another day. He didn't let us have to have mobility to get here. Amen? Amen. All right. That's better. The first scripture is from the Old Testament, and it's just a snippet. But this snippet says volumes, and it's from Second Chronicles chapter 19, uh, yeah, Second Chronicles chapter 20, I'm sorry, and verse 33. And it reads as follows. Give me a minute here. It says, okay. The high places, however, were not removed. And the people still had not set their hearts on the God of their fathers. I'm going to read that again. The high places, however, were not removed. And the people still had not set their hearts on the God of their fathers. Then we move to the New Testament in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. It's talking about one of the seven churches of Asia and the message that the Lord Jesus Christ sent to John the Revelator. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up! Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The word of God. Let us pray. Father God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your mercy and your grace and for your long suffering. We thank you for your unconditional love. Father, right now we pray that you will allow your spirit to come and abide with us, that you will allow your spirit to anoint from the pulpit to the door. 
And we pray, Father God, that you will just prepare our hearts to hear your words and prepare our minds to receive it and understand it. Prepare us, Lord, because we are in constant uh, need of preparation and repair and remolding and renewing and retooling. So, Father, we're asking that you just anoint your word, anoint us that we might receive it and bless us and help us to be a blessing to others. And I pray, Father God, in Jesus' name, that you will just allow your preacher to come and preach your word with power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I know that a lot of you, if you've driven past the church throughout the week, you've noticed on the marquee that the, the t- sermon of the title was Spiritual Constipation. And some of you are saying, oh, my goodness, what is that about? But stop and think about it. It's a very uncomfortable condition. Amen? I know that all of us, if we are really willing to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, we've all experienced it at some point in our lives. And it's not comfortable. So I did a lot of research, and I had 21 pages of all this information about constipation. Can you imagine? And I came out with this. It says the word constipation, it originates from Latin. Of course, everything originates from Latin. And the word, const, it means constipatis, or the past participle, which is constipare. And it means to crowd or to press, or to cause to become slow-moving, or immobilized, or sluggish. It restricts the action or effectiveness of. And as I continued to research about this condition, I realized that constipation can result from a number of life situations. Life situations, which include stress, diet, Depression, neurological conditions, eating disorders, and also resisting the urge to have a bowel movement. And so the one that we're going to focus on is the last one, resisting the urge to have a bowel movement. But we're going to do it in a spiritual light. Amen? They say that constipation is contrary to popular belief. It's not a disease. It's not a structural problem. So there's nothing wrong with our bodies as they are. It is caused by disorders and how the bile functions. And it's considered symptomatic rather than a disease. And we know the symptomatic means it's something that has caused it, not because there was anything wrong with our plumbing. Amen? And they said it relates directly to the theme of the sermon because as as children of God and believers, sometimes we get constipated in our beliefs and we get constipated spiritually. Amen? And it says to prevent constipation in, in the fleshly world, we just have to change our lifestyle and we have to change our diet and we have to drink six to eight glasses of water a day and then it gets everything moving and working again. And to exercise. That's a bad word to me because I don't like to exercise because that means putting forth effort. And I don't like to put forth that kind of effort. I don't like to sweat and get uncomfortable and then have pain for three days afterwards. Amen? And it says that constipation also occurs when too much water is absorbed into the colon. And if the colon's muscles don't contract right, they get sluggish and they cause a slow elimination of the waste or the toxins in our body. So you're probably wondering how this relates to Revelation 3 and Sardis. Well, Sardis was a city one of the uh, seven churches of Asia. 
And John the Revelator had this great vision, and the Lord was speaking to him and giving him, you know, a commission to write these letters to these seven churches because the Lord wanted to, to let them know what he was thinking about them and all that. In other words, it was kind of a report card. The Sardis was the capital city of the country of Lydia. And you've heard Lydia spoken of before. You know, you think of the woman Lydia who was an apostle or she was a follower of, of the apostle Paul. And that she, you know, was very wealthy. And because of uh, her wealth, she helped to finance a lot of Paul's min, you know, missionary trips in his ministry. And so this country was a very wealthy country. It was no, known for its wealth in wool and in jewels and uh, textile industries. So it's a very wealthy country. And it was a very splendid country. And they were a very arrogant country because they sat on a hill or a mountain. And they had all these you know, cliffs and steep cliffs and things. And they thought that they could never, ever be attacked. So they got very arrogant and they got very comfortable and got very complacent about who they were. And it said the city thought they were virtually impregnable. But we find in history that they were attacked two times. So the church, the Lord is letting them know that, you know, I know your deeds. I know what you've done, but I've got some problems with you. And one of the problems was that you have a reputation that says that you're alive, but you're dead. Now, how could they be dead? You know, they had the wealth. They, were the, they had the movers and shakers of that era there. They were doing great things. The problem was they were spiritually dead. They had a disconnect between themselves and their maker, God. They had forgotten who had, gotten, who had given them everything that they had, who had blessed them to where they were a great city. And that's what's happening in our churches today. Sometimes we get so caught up in the works of, of doing things and going through the motions of things and teaching things and making sure everybody understands about you know, the word, the doctrines and traditions and all these things. We don't leave room for the working of the Holy Spirit. Amen? A lot of times we know about Christ and we can read the scriptures and we can quote this and that and everything else. But we don't know the one who the scriptures are written about. And that's the problem. When you have spiritual death, then that means you're not connected to God. You're not in his will. You're not doing things that are pleasing in his sight. And the church does not have power. And you're saying, what kind of power? I'm not talking about money power. I'm not talking about connections with uh, city officials and all that. I'm talking about Holy Ghost power, power that when your brothers and sisters are sick, that you can get on your knees and you can pray and you can say, Father, one of the ones that you love is sick. Father, hear our prayer and he will raise them up. I'm talking about the type of power that whenever you're facing an eviction notice or you're facing a serious terminal illness and the doctors say that they can't do anything to help you, that you can get on your knees and you can pray and God will hear your prayer and he will heal you. That's what it says in Chronicles when, when God says to Solomon, who chose wisely that he wanted wisdom, if my people who are called by my name, a lot of people say that they are God's people, but God doesn't know them because they don't have a relationship with him. But he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. In other words, if you've got all this arrogance and you think you got all the answers and you don't need God, then you don't have God. He says, I'm out of here. He said, they don't need me. They got it all together. But if you humble yourselves and pray, 
seek his face. And if you repent of the, of the things that you're doing wrong, you acknowledge that. A lot of times, you know, we don't want to acknowledge to God that we have sinned. He already knows we've sinned. He knows everything. He knows the thoughts in our hearts. He knows what we're thinking before we even do it. He knows we're going to mess up. So all we have to do is just fess up to it. And if we fess up to God and said, Lord, I messed up again. I am so sorry. But we have to be sincere about that. You know, a lot of times people will just give God lip service. You know what that is, right? When you pay him lip service and you, you say what you think God wants to hear, that's not what he wants to hear. What he wants to hear is what's sincerely in your heart. He wants you to humble. He wants you to pray to him. He wants you to ask him to forgive you. And none of us are exempt from that. From the pulpit to the door, none of us are exempt. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And we need to acknowledge that. And we need to cry out to God and say, Lord, help me. I'm a mess. I'm a hot mess. And I tell people, before Christ, man, somebody made me mad. It was on. But God is the one that holds the reins. His Holy Spirit dwells within me. And I'm so grateful that he has changed that hot temper in me. Because I was, I didn't care how big you were. You were coming down. I didn't care. One of the guys that played for the Houston Oilers, I brought him down. You know, I'm not proud of it, but I'm just showing you that we're all human. And we all fall short. And we all have hot tempers. And we all say things and do things that are just not Christ-like. But when we try to deny it and we try to hide it and we try to bury it under the ground, it's not hidden because God sees and knows everything. And you can't move forward if you're still in the past holding on to bitterness, holding on to things that corrupt and rust and fade away. You got to let go and let God because he says that if we trust him and if we walk in his way, he's got, wow, he's got wonderful things for us. He said he came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. Holding on things that decay and rust and you won't even remember and won't be remembered, that's not of God. That's of flesh. We got to let go of the flesh and, and we need to grab hold of the spirit of God. Amen? Sometimes we worship our past. We worship our reputations that we used to have. You know, I used to be the big kahuna at such and such and such. Who cares? God sure doesn't. He said, your credentials don't impress me at all. And I can speak from personal experience. Amen? Yeah, I got, I got a line of degrees, a line of experience, done this, done that, blase, 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 blase. And God said, and? And that just blew me right away. He said, and? Do you realize who gave you all that? Do you realize, and I'm the one that created you. I knew you before you were even formed in the womb. Wow. He knows how to stomp you into the ground, doesn't he? He really knows how to bring you down. And I, I praise him for that because he helps me to stay grounded. He helps me to stay humble. He helps me to realize that everything that I am and everything that I would hope to be, it can only happen if I trust in him. Remember Peter? You know, he was one that was always very impulsive. He, oh, Lord, you know, he sees him out on the water. Call me to you. Jesus, come on. He gets out there and he's walking on the water. What did he do? He took his eyes off Jesus. And what happened? He started sinking. 
And that's what happens to us. God starts doing all these wonderful things for us, and we start getting all happy, and we're in that feel-good position, you know. We're like, yeah, look what, look what I'm doing. All of a sudden, we forget about God. God who? And God says, oh, really? And then all of a sudden, things start crashing down and falling apart, and we're like, oh, God, what's happening? What's happening? And he said, you forgot who you are and whose you are. You forgot what the whole purpose of this was. It was to glorify, honor, and praise me, not you. The glory belongs to God, not us. Amen? We have to be, we don't need to be uh, concerned with the forms of doctrines and rules and traditions. You know, they're they're good and worthy in their proper perspective. But when you allow that to supersede the moving of the Holy Spirit through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then we have a problem. You know, Houston, we got a problem because we've lost sight of what we need to be doing. We are a light of hope. That's a beautiful name, light. That means that we're going to bring light into darkness, out of darkness. We are going to shed light on problems. We're going to go out into the community and we're going to outreach and we're going to let people know that we exist and that we exist because of who? Because our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he has put us in a position. He has positioned us and placed us to do a great work, to do a great ministry, to, to revive this community. Amen. But we can't do that by ourselves. And we can't do it in our own power. Amen? Amen? We have to do it with whose power? The power of Jesus Christ and through his Holy Spirit. Amen? We, we need to be, you know, when we are more engaged in management than in ministry or physical versus spiritual, we've got a serious problem. We're not in line with the working of God. So the church is then advised in this passage, wake up! When you're asleep, do you know what's going on? No, you have all kinds of weird dreams if you ate something strange the night before. And you're tossing and turning and you don't know which way to go. And when you wake up, sometimes you don't even know where you're at. He says, wake up. That means shake up all that stuff. Wake up. Open your eyes. Open your ears. Open your heart. Hear me. Hear what needs to take place, what needs to go on. It urges the believers in the church to get real with God. Okay, we're not here for former fashion. We're here to work on our brokenness. We're here to work on and to love those who are broken. And we're a family of God. A family has to stick together no matter what. Amen? I remember I'm the eldest of three girls. And I, my, you know, I was always taught if somebody picks on your sisters, you better not, if you're there, you better not let it happen. You better jump in the fray. You better get in the mix. And it's the same way with God's people. When one of us is hurting, we all hurt. When one of us has problems, we all have that problem. And when we start doing that, then God's love just continues to grow and grow and grow. And his power continues to just manifest. And we've got more power than we could ever imagine. And we can move mountains. But if we don't have that type of love, if we don't get in line with God, then we're just another ship sailing just, just wandering around lost in the sea. And we will be forgotten. We will not really have lived for anything. I remember a song that my grandmother always loved was, you know, may the works I've done speak for me. And so I want the works that I do to speak for me, not so much me, but the fact that people can see God in me. They can see God working in me. They can see God moving in me. They can see God's love in me. And that's what we should all want. Amen. Then he says in that scripture, I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. 
In other words, they had started out all right, but then they kind of derailed or detoured. And that, that happens to all of us. We get caught up in distractions. And the devil's good with, with distractions, amen? I mean, if the devil didn't throw out some really good stuff in there, we would all be perfect Christians. But that's not the way it works. The devil is trying to destroy us. He wants to take as many prisoners as he can possibly take. And he wants to try to derail God's program. We can't let him. We have to recognize that he is a formidable adversary. Okay? He's strong. He's powerful. But guess who's more powerful? God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven on high. And he reigns with wisdom, power, and love, which he gives to us if we are willing to accept it. He gives us so many precious and wonderful gifts that you can't even put a price tag on. His grace, his mercy, his sustenance, his power. What did Zechariah say? Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And if we walk in the spirit, there is nothing that can stop us. Nothing. And there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And that's a wonderful thing. How many other things in this world can you have that much confidence and security in? Nothing. Enron thought they were tough too. They fell. Hitler thought he was tough. He fell. Napoleon, Mussolini. Look at all the kingdoms before that. The Persian kingdom, the Babylonian, the, you know, all of them. They fell. The Roman Empire, they all fell. You know why they fell? Lord didn't build that house. Except the Lord build the house. They that labor, labor in vain. And it says that there was a remnant. And I love this. In everything you read in the Bible, it talks about that remnant. That small group that didn't soil their garments. They didn't fall for all the the lust and all the idolatry and all the bright colors that, you know, came and tried to entice them. They stayed on that straight and narrow road. They did not give up. They did not compromise. They stayed steady. And he and he mentions them. He said their deeds and their works, um, they were remembered. And they did not fall. And he says he makes promises to them. And God's promises you can take to the bank. They will not bounce They will not be insufficient funds. They're always there. He says they are going to be arrayed in white garments, which is purity. They are justified and they have salvation. And that's a gift that's given through faith in the finished work of Christ. And that's due to not our worthiness, but Christ's worthiness and his record, not ours. Their name would not be blotted out of the book of life. That's an affirmation. Because as true believers, we know that our names are found in the book of life. But they're going to get special mention, okay? Because they they held steady. They held firm. And their name would be confessed before the Father. That's what we want. We want to make sure that we are pleasing in the sight of God. We want to make sure that when Jesus, you know, advocates on our behalf, that he can do it proudly, that he can do it anxiously because he's excited about how we have performed in this world. Amen? So, back to constipation. Spiritual constipation. There are a lot of different things that you can use to resolve the issue of constipation. They have colon cleanse. Cleanses the colon. No. It's not real comfortable, but it works. Then, of course, if you've got some major problems, you might go to Correctol or Dulcolax or Imodium AD. Okay, 
And then if it's really bad, the enema. The only enema I want to ever have to experience is the spiritual enema. Amen? Where God gets in there and he works everything loose. Amen? He'll shake it loose for you. And you don't have to worry about all these man-made things that only last for a short period of time. Amen? Amen. God can clean you through and through and make you as white as snow. Squeaky clean. And that's what we want. So in closing, I just want to say, let us not be like the Church of Sardis. Let us be more like the Church of Philadelphia. Philadelphia had to go through some things. They, got, they were persecuted. They, you know, they, they went through a lot. But guess what? They held steady. They held firm. And because of that, you know, God promised them, you know, they, 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 you know, there was nothing that he held against them. You know, he was very proud of them. And he says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to that what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. That's what we want. We want to go before our Lord. And when he reads of the things that we have done in his name and that we have followed him and that we have been faithful of a few things, then we can enter into his kingdom and we can be happy that we have pleased our heavenly father. Because it's not about pleasing man. It's about pleasing God. Amen. We want to be pleasing to God. So I thank you, and I'm really truly humbled to have an opportunity to speak to you. God is just moving. He's moving in my life. He's brought me down a few pegs. But you know what? I'm so grateful that he loved me enough to snatch me and to bring me back into my right mind. I, th- I thank him for everything I've been through. You know, I've had a lot of ups. I've had some downs, but God has always been there. He said he would never leave us or forsake us, and he is true to his word. Amen.